This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. was on him 
and by his wounds we are healed. Everybody gets wounded in life at some point or other. It just goes with what those little four letters of the word life encapsulates. Life is just like that. There's not somebody who set out on the journey of life born as an infant and arrives at whatever point that it ends for them, who hasn't experienced a wound, hasn't experienced pain and difficulty in some kind of a way. And we're all wounded in lots of different ways, but I suppose today I'm not specifically thinking about those physical wounds or sicknesses or injuries that we often carry, but more specifically those internal wounds, those things that affect our hearts and our lives. Because as much as all of us, I'm sure, have known moments of illness, short or long, we actually sometimes underestimate the depth of what we experience as emotional beings, the way God made us. The Bible tells us we made body, soul and spirit. We sometimes understand the, the body, we can relatively well understand that, we can study at school, college, university, the, the physicality of our bodies. The spirit is the divine mystery part of us in many respects, and so in one sense we, we just kind of leave that to a better revelation from the Holy Spirit to go along. But the soul is something, I think often as Christians we completely underestimate the depth and reality of who we are as soul beings. The soul is the centerpiece of our lives. It's the, the crucible where our emotions are formed. It's a complex and mysterious place. We can't locate it. We couldn't ask the skilled surgeon to, to open us up and find our soul and just have a little look to see if it's healthy, if it's in good condition. You know, it's not located somewhere to the left of our lungs or to the right of our kidneys. And, you know, we couldn't ask somebody to have a little look. It's a mysterious, invisible place. But it is more real to us often than even the physical things that we experience. And the relationship between what we experience as soul beings and physical beings must never be underestimated. And we can be wounded by all kinds of experiences, broken relationships, criticism, unkind words, insults, rejection, bereavement, infidelity, failure and disappointments. And I want to say something to you as believers today that I believe is absolutely true and that is that Having come to faith in Christ and following Jesus, that does not, on its own, protect us from wounds that we experience emotionally. As we journey this morning, you'll see in many respects, it exposes us to greater possibilities of attack because of the faith that we carry. And having been, I've been in church for 30 years, I left Bible College 30 years ago, so maybe before Maria did. And, uh, and until last year, that's what I did really, until a year ago I led churches. And one of the difficulties and one of the problems sometimes as a church leader is that we imagine that everybody else thinks that we're just okay. And of course, in one sense, my generation of church leaders were probably the last generation, we the bridge generation, which really the generation that was told just to put up a front, don't let anybody know what it's really like, just shut it behind the front door of the mouse and work it out there. And the generation that I now develop and teach and encourage and help 
to kind of, we're saying, we want to know where it's on your sleeve, be open, be real, be vulnerable with us. And somehow my generation, and, and I'm in my early 50s now, and I know you're shocked to find that, but it really is true, I didn't want to deceive you. But my generation's kind of bridged that divide and had to go on that journey of realising we're real people. Actually, there is not a Superman out that's under my shirt. Well, I like to think there is. My kids used to think that was the case, but now they've grown up, they know that's very untrue. I say that's my way of introduction to let you know that uh, over, just over 10 years ago now, I was deeply, deeply wounded. More wounded than I've ever experienced in my life. We discovered things uh, about my extended family that I never knew, and the consequences for me and for members of both my extended family and my immediate family, that is my siblings and even our own kids, were devastating. Don't think I've ever experienced a wound so painful or something that has lasted so long, caused me such internal agony and questioning and uncertainty. It caused me to ask a lot of questions about where I come from and my identity because I discovered things about people that it wouldn't be right in a public setting to talk about while they're still alive and living with their consequences that, that I just couldn't come to terms with in so many ways. And I determined I had to continue to minister, I suppose. That's a little bit, I'm a little bit of a product of, of that generation just really oppress on in with it. But on the other hand, I did have people I was able to talk to, colleagues in ministry, members of the NLT who were supporting me, a couple of folks, and, and my immediate team in the church and eldership team in the church that we were in. But I was wounded and hurting. And I didn't know where to go with some of that. And I, I know looking back, 11 and a half years on, realised that that was never going to be sorted in a day or a week or a month or even a year. But as I'll tell you towards the end of what I want to say to you is that I'm a lot further down that road. And I say that to create a sense of association with you that I'm not, I'm glad I'm not, I'm not standing up there, I'm standing just where you are to say that we're all wounded. And if you knew the circumstances, you'd probably be able to understand a little bit of maybe what I felt, but then I, I don't know everything about your wounds. And the great news I want to share with you today is that Jesus came to earth to heal the wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. There was, he was wounded for our mistakes. And he was wounded for the mistakes of others that have wounded us on life's journey. And he asks the question about salvation, really. What does salvation really mean? Is it simply the wonderful truth and fact that my sins and they're great, have been forgiven, and so I can have a confidence before God as my Father, and I can have a hope for eternal life, and I can be able to pray and ask God for that cleansing that has already been given to me through the cross. Is that what salvation means? Well, of course it is, but I want to suggest to you today it's so much more than the wonderful truth of forgiveness of sins. I think it's an ability to heal the wounds of our hearts and eyes. And that's why we have good news today. Because many people beyond the doors of church this morning don't really understand what it means to feel sin because there's not a consciousness of sin until the Spirit convicts. But they know what it is to feel pain and wounds and hurts. 
And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. The good news for your friends and your family don't know Jesus. The good news for your neighbours and your co-workers that don't know Jesus is that it isn't just a message to say, hey, you're a sinner, you need forgiveness. I think there might be a message before that one that might get their attention. That is, hey, I know somebody that can heal your wounds. And that's the Lord Jesus. Because I don't believe it's God's will that the wounds that we experience in life would kill our joy or our hope or our contentment and confidence, our assurance or our peace. So as I began to think about wounds, I realised that generally speaking, there are three ways that wounds happen in a physical sense to our body. The first is by intentional attack. In other words, somebody intended to wound us. Somebody hit us, somebody damaged us in a particular way, somebody attacked us. Violent physical attacks can cause horrific injuries to the body. Sometimes people have been wounded because there's been an intentional attack upon them. And we're not thinking specifically of physical attacks, but just to say that I actually do believe that often the wounds of a physical attack will heal much sooner than the emotional scars and efforts are resulting in. We've all seen those awful, hideous scenes of an elderly person who's been attacked, who has no strength to, 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 to help themselves, but who will feel locked into their home because they don't feel safe anymore. The, the bruises will heal over time, but the internal bruising of the confidence of the heart will take much longer. And there are times that we have been wounded internally in our soul, in our emotions, and our, our will and our lives intentionally. Sometimes people have meant to cause us damage. And that's added to the pain of what they've done, is trying to live with, well, why did they do that? They intended to hurt me. How could somebody do that or be like that? Is often how we feel. But Jesus told us, didn't he, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And there's a kind of reality check I think the church needs at the moment. It's a whole other message that I've preached on a number of occasions recently I don't want to slide into. But I do think we need a reality check about the atmosphere of the life that we live and the environment we live in. And that to know that we have an enemy. And you never chose to have that. You just heard a wonderful message about a God that loved you and had a great purpose and a plan for your life and could forgive you and heal you. So you responded to that. You gave your life to Jesus and expected that, hey, from there on it's going to be sunny and bright and rosy and glorious. And then you suddenly realised that you upset somebody. And it wasn't necessarily your spouse or your family, but you upset somebody very significant in the whole order of how the universe operates. So now you have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, a spirit being who must never be underestimated, who we as believers need to know a little bit more about who he is and how he operates, not fear, because there's no fear in love, there's perfect love drives out fear, greatest things in me, the leaders in the world. You know, I've persuaded me the death of life, angels or demons, things past, present, things to come, or anything else in all creation can separate me from the love of God. We know all of that. But you will be confronted by the strategies of this enemy 
every day of your life and he doesn't fight fair. This isn't the kind of historic rules in the boxing ring. This isn't when you go into a fight and the referee, and I'm not a big boxing fan, but I know enough to know, would say to the two contestants now, no punches to the side of the head, to the back of the head, nothing below the belt, keep it clean or something, to put you out of this fight. No, no, this is fighting with somebody who doesn't fight fair, who looks to find where you are most vulnerable and attacks there, and watches and monitors our lives, not personally because he is a limited being, can only be in one place at one time. But through his network of spies and his cronies that work across the universe, don't forget a third of all of heaven's angels fell with him and became those evil spirits. And I'm not going to spook here, folks, but this is good biblical teaching. This is real. And they do not fight there. And these wounds are aimed at you and your family, your confidence in God, and your devotion to Him. We need to understand those intentional attacks because we can then turn the intentionality on its head and say, we understand that we are being attacked intentionally, therefore we're going to lean into the power that is greater in God intentionally and actively and proactively. These words are aimed at your devotion to God. I really honestly believe, and I don't mean to be unkind, and I love worship. I don't really think Satan is too fussed about how loud we sing, or how quiet we sing, or what we sing. But he doesn't want it to bring us closer to Jesus. And many people have been wounded by what others have said and done. And sometimes those wounds are superficial, they were relatively shallow, they, they healed over time. But I know that all of us, whatever age and however long we've lived, we have known what it's like to be deeply wounded. And I think that one of the things that is true of my years in pastoral life is I never fail to be surprised when on occasions you get to talk to people and I imagine that they were just doing well in life and that they've had a relatively good journey in life and things seem to have gone relatively well. They've, they've, they've survived financially well. They have family around them and then Sometimes in the past, when you got a little bit closer in a difficult season, and people would open up and they talk a little bit more, you're just amazed sometimes at the wounds that sat deep in their hearts. Can I suggest to you, I came across people in pastoral life who reacted and behaved in ways that made other people not really want to sit next to them in church. Certainly never to ask them that faithful question, well, how are you? Knowing that they might get the same story, but they've always got. And there is a cynicism, if we're not careful in our community life as a church, that can grow towards people who we see, well, when he's that when he's that Inside we're saying, well, they could think it's bad for you, you don't have to do my story. But the reality is that usually wounded people are revealing in all kinds of ways. Sometimes people who seem hard and seem distant and not trying to be nasty. They're hurting. I talk at times, not don't mention the lady's name, the man who would know instantly who I talk about, a lady who was in our church for, for a number of years. She was a single lady, that's not relevant uh, in many ways. Um, but she seemed to many people to be so harsh and so distant and she kept away from relationships. And yet there were occasions she would turn up at our church offices with a big box of thorns and chocolates, which was always a pleasure to say on those days. 
And she'd bring them for the staff team that worked alongside me just to say, I want to say that you know, we're grateful for everything you do. When we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary three years ago, just checking, that's right, yeah. <laughs> three years ago. Um, she bought us a, a gift, a, a silver, it was a silver Bible, wasn't it? She had the kindest expressions. We were invited once to her house for a soiree with a number of other people. It was the most surreal environment I've ever been in. Because when you go to someone's house, you think it's all me. We were all sat around the room and everyone thought, <laughs> I, I came to the conclusion, could never really get to the point, I hope the guy who succeeded me as a great, great guy would succeed more than I did. But I think there are wounds in that lady's life. And everybody's making judgments of her. But I think she's been wounded. And I can never get really close enough to see where that went. See, wounded people can often feel trapped in their past, particularly the past hurts of experience. They revisit their pain, reliving it in their thoughts. You and I know how that works. We can be doing pretty well, but for some reason, one day we just start remembering what somebody said. It might have been many, many moons ago, what somebody did. I find that. I've had seasons where I really, I think of times even in pastoral life or, or things that have gone on around me, I think, well, why did they do that? Why did they say that? We must really be aware that many of the wounds we experience come from a very real enemy. When Peter writes his letter in the New Testament, he tells us to stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to be bound. I would suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that if, and I doubt that there's many lions in Guernsey, just presume that's not the case, but if all of a sudden the doors burst open and a lion came running in the room, we'd all be looking for cover, wouldn't we? I want you to know today that we have to be real about this, that life for us as believers means that we face this being who intends to cause us wounds. But there's another way that wounds occur, and that's by accidental injuries. You get intentional attacks, but you get accidental injuries. Unintentional hurts. Moments we didn't, to trip, didn't intend to trip up before. Moments we, we know that people just instantly said something, it just happened to be a bad day for us. The joke would have been laughed at yesterday, but while today's a bad day, it's not funny, and it's, it's cut me, and it's hurt me. We tripped over little things that shouldn't have really affected us, but nobody knew how today isn't a good day. This moment in my life's not a good moment. And we stumbled over things because somehow we weren't paying the same attention. Some time ago, um, I was doing my domestic duties, being a domestic god that I am. <laughs> and uh, I was doing some washing up, which is rare because I make sure that the dishwasher is well serviced and you're training for obvious reasons. And I reached for the tap, and there must have been a, a burr of metal, or probably composite plastic, no, in our taps, that, that cut me, and it, it cut me right there. Oh. No, 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 it was worse than that. Oh. Oh. It wasn't quite that bad, <laughs> But it, oh, thank you, my friend. It cut me right in the fold of my left thumb. Oh, it was really sore. Sucked a bit of blood, made me feel like a man. And um, put a plaster on it. It was only a little cut, but it stopped me functioning all the important things of life, like changing channel. <laughs> and, and it was so sore. It was unbelievable. I couldn't. I picked that up. Oh, 
It's incredible. You just do not know. You've no idea how much you hurt me. You're sitting there looking at me as if I'm a wuss. But honestly, I tell you, that was bad. She complained about the three children. That was nothing compared to this. Scientific fact that men have more nerve endings experience pain to a higher level than ladies do. I have just lost the approval of the majority of the time. I try here to make the point that wounds can affect our ability to function when we relate to people. The psalmist said in Psalm 38 in verse 11 My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds, my neighbours stay far away. We know that when Job was experiencing the deepest of wounds, the bereavement, the loss of his children, more than his business or his home, his friends got a bit fed up and kind of said, Do you know what? His wife even said to him, Joe, what best to do, Joe? Curse God and die, because I did nothing yet. You're going on and on and on. You know, let's just be done with this curse God and die, which is really comforting when your wife starts supporting. <laughs> but people are avoiding him, not understanding the depth of his pain. Wounded people sometimes struggle to worship. Everybody else can sing, but actually you're just so aware, actually when you come into the presence of God, that's a wonderful thing, it's a joyous thing, but it sensitizes our wounds sometimes so much, and I think that's part of the spirit of work in our hearts and lives. Our hearts are very tender places. And I think that we need, as folk who often, in our culture, and the kind of way we manage, our distinction, we just easily put to one side emotional hurts and wounds, and I think there needs to be a fresh sense of love and support for one another, knowing that life can prickle us on the inside. We've seen famous people who seem to have all the trappings of contentment and happiness. They don't need to particularly worry about where the next bill is going to be paid, or they, they live a very comfortable life, they've got everything going for them. And it would seem that life is a success, but deep inside they feel dissatisfied. They might feel a sense of awfulness, as, as actually there's no real relationship with their parents, or there's family conflicts, or those things that affect people. There are is, there is many wealthy business people sitting wondering whether life is worth living, as homeless people sitting wondering whether life is worth living. Because one's external circumstances don't change the reality of the internal heart and the things that happen to us. Sometimes things that we think are intentional were actually accidental. Nobody intended to hurt us, but we become very insularly driven in that way. And even small things can become infected. And that felt, that little cut to my thumb, it was only small, you know, and it's gone, and I'm alright, and all of that. But actually, I remember one of our lads, Matthew, used to bite the corner of his fingernails and mum would tell him off for doing that and one day one of them got infected. It was really, really bad and the reality is, if I'm not mistaken and I'm hoping that no doctors or nurses here will prove me wrong, but a little wound could lead to septicemia, which could lead obviously to something very fatal. The reality is that something that isn't healed or treated in the right way can get infected. And I wonder sometimes, too, if I'm allowed to take that parallel a bit further, I wonder sometimes if little things from many years ago have just left a lot of infection in our hearts and our minds. But there's one final way I want to suggest to you 
how wounds can happen. They can happen through intentional attacks, through accidental injuries, or they can happen through surgical procedures. You see, to truly bring healing, sometimes you have to wound. The skin of a surgeon has to cut through the flesh to remove the cancerous growth, to fix the broken bone, to transplant a new organ or repair a bleeding vein, to gain access you sometimes have to wound. But you and I know there's a very different cut, if you'll allow me without being too gruesome, between the cut of a surgeon and the cut of an attacker. The cut of a surgeon is precise. It's skilled. It comes from the hands of a lady or a guy who has trained an incredibly lengthy period of time, who understands every part of the body and where it's safe to make cuts and where it's safe to, where it's not safe to make cuts. Who understands the blood vessels and the body system. They don't just make a cut because, well, let's have a go and see if there's something here, as if they're playing the children's game operations. Let's see what we can find. Oh, something got there. No, it's not like that. It's not just a cut of skill, because the greatest surgeons don't just have skill, they have compassion. And they're thinking as they perform the surgery, how small a cut will I need to do to do what I need to do? Of course, we now have keyhole surgery, and I had a couple of shoulder operations years ago, and um, just, just, they used just a couple of cuts into my shoulder, and it's remarkable what they were able to achieve by just a few cuts and special instruments. It's remarkable. What used to work, what would have been a big long scar like action man on my shoulder was not that way. Sometimes we need to experience the pain of God cutting away the damaged parts of the Sometimes allowing the great physician access to our hearts is not easy. Because it's like the moment we touch something that's tender it's going to hurt. You know, when you're trying to remove a splinter from a child's hand, it is one of the most difficult operations. I think it's easier to build a 747 jet than it is to remove a splinter from a child. The moment you touch it, I was I was in Northern Ireland a few weeks ago and speaking, I stayed with the pastor's family on the Saturday night, which was just a great joy. They got they got five kids, and the smallest is this little girl whose name I forget, forgive me, but. She had a tough that was just about to come out. And we 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 and she was she was she wanted to get this tough out and her brother volunteered to help her, which mum and dad were trying to make sure didn't happen. Because who knows that brothers don't have the slightest bit of sympathy for little girls. So she was like, what that? And she was trying to pull herself and they got tissue paper all kind. Now actually they went off and they came back and their brother had pulled it out. Because <laughs> mum and dad were being as careful as they could be, just the final little red of this. And we were saying, no, the truth fairy will come, let it come out. Sometimes a pound is not worth having, is it? Let's be honest. But sometimes we need to let the father touch the wound to bring the healing. <coughs> Because the father allowed his son to be wounded so that you could be whole. I was moved, I was uh, just in some lectures the other day, and the lecturer just, just said something, and it kind of really gripped me, um, and probably would be a great Easter message for me to speak next year, but just talking about how the father had to turn away from his son at the cross. And I just was quite overwhelmed for a moment at the thought of 
the most grotesque sin ever committed, whatever it was, I don't know, I wouldn't even want to begin a discussion to say what was the most grotesque, what is the most grotesque sin that somebody could commit, was laying upon the stone on the cross. And Jesus hung there and he carried every damaged thing that you've ever known, every awful word said to you, every abusive act formed against you. It was carried at the cross and the Father had to look away. But Jesus carried your transgressions and your iniquities and your wounds and the worst things done to you, he carried them. The Father allowed his son to be cut, scars to his wrists and his ankles, and a huge scar and wounds to his side. So we return to the words of Isaiah, by his wounds we are healed. And the reality is that however you were wounded by violent attacks, by accidents and injuries, or the cuts of the surgeon, you still need the care of a physician to heal the wound. That you arrive at accident and emergency after being attacked. Thank God for our nurses and doctors who are going to put that right. If you go in to have an operation, you, you, you wheel down and you exercise, you say, well I pray that the that not only have I got the best surgeon, but that his football team won last night. <laughs> Someone to cleanse and bind up the wound. I think of how Jesus tells the story of the man who was beaten, it's a parable, as he's travelling on the Jericho Road. And he tells us that a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey, he brought it to an inn and took care of him. I want you to know your life is safe yeah. in the hands of the great physician. Because I only read half of John chapter 10 verse 10. We know that the thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And there's a wonderful parallel in this verse that the thief comes and he he attacks this man walking, and the religious leaders in that power of the Good Samaritan, who you would have expected to bind up the wound, walk the other side. But the person the man would not have expected to come to his aid does exactly that. And it's descriptive what Jesus does, which comes out in, the, in what Jesus reads in his home synagogue in Luke chapter 4, where he reads these words from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the, spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to heal the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover your sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. I wonder when the last time you saw, I mean physically, saw a miracle. Asking you to respond, it may not be that easy. I have to really sit and think for quite a long time um, about that. I want to suggest to you that all you have to do is look around you this morning. I'm guessing that the people sitting around you are pretty certain, actually, that they're a miracle. Because in this room today are people who've experienced many wounds in life, but you're still here. You're still here this morning. You're still praising Jesus. You're still trusting Him. You may be feeling wounded at the moment. But, but the fact that you're here, and it may not have been easy to get up and motivate yourself to come to church today, but the fact that you're here is a miracle today. It's proof that Jesus heals. Sitting all around us in this room is the proof that Jesus heals the broken heart. 
standing in front of you today is evidence that Jesus heals broken hearts. That that's what he does best. And right out there, whatever people are doing on this the last day they probably think they'll see the sunshine before next spring, making the most of it on the beaches and the beautiful countryside you have around you are people who are putting a smile on their faces this morning but need to know that we serve a God who heals broken hearts. That's what he does. And your evidence of it, friends, you are the living, walking, breathing evidence. Church for the miracles, people who have been wounded by sickness and bereavement and broken relationships and rejection and failure and bankruptcy and disappointment, but you're still there, still believing, still worshiping, still praising, still trusting Jesus. Because the great physician knows how to heal our wounds. I want to say one more thing before I wrap up today. See, there's an important truth about and this God. Jesus was healed of his wounds, but he was not healed of his scars. John 20, verse 19 to 20 tells us that as the disciples are hiding away after the, the death of Jesus, and, and Mary and John and Peter have been to the tomb and they've seen it empty and they're hidden away, it tells us that Jesus came and stood among them. Just before I go on, I want to say this to you today. The Bible actually tells us that the door was locked. Jesus came in and you may have locked the door of your heart and hidden away because you've been wounded and you, you may have not feel you can open the door if you were just inviting him to open the door to get to you no locked door to keep Jesus on the end of the road. this is the risen Christ and he came and said peace be with you after he said this he showed them his hands and side and the disciples were overjoyed as a slight understatement when they saw the Lord. But there was something missing, wasn't there? Thomas. And Thomas inherited a double barrel name, the doubter. And I want to suggest to you that we probably give Thomas more bad press than he deserved. Because all Thomas was saying was, I need to see this, you've all seen it. It's alright for you to believe, because you've seen it. You, you with your own eyes saw this three-dimensional Jesus. But the moment you saw him walk through the door, you shouldn't have needed anything else that alone with his hands and side. Thomas is just saying, well, that's why I think Jesus doesn't rebuke him. What Jesus says to him is, later in that chapter, peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I want you to stop doubting today, friends, and believe that Jesus can heal your wounds. However severe they feel to you, stop doubting and believe. Let Jesus step into even the lost places of your heart. And know that He can walk into where you are. And just by knowing His very presence, you can begin to know something more. Don't be embarrassed by the scars. Jesus wasn't. He showed His scars off. He says, Hey guys, look at my scars. They, they did hurt me, they were bleeding, but not so now. I'm not embarrassed about my scars. These scars tell you how much I love you. These scars tell you what I did for you. I'm not embarrassed. I need you to see them. I need you to know I did this for you by my wounds. You are here. Scars say, this is what I overcame. Scars say, this is how bad it was. This is how bad those hurt. And this is what God has done for me. Scars are a testimony 
to God's ability to heal deadly wounds. They're part of the journey of life, scars are. Scars are our opportunity to say to people, you know what, you may not see it, like I can show you a scar here or on my leg or in the motorbike, accident or whatever. But I was once wounded and I was hurting. But I want to say to you that I can talk about that hurt and not feel the same level of pain. Maybe anything Because my wound has become scar and because Jesus healed me. And I have a scar that's 11 and a half years old now. And it was a wound, it was a very real wound. I don't feel the same pain anymore, though sometimes it's a little sore because with life, some things just will last forever. I remember saying to some of my colleagues the day after this big thing broke in our family and our life, why would I ever be the same again? And I said it in the sense almost that nothing was ever going to be good. And that's what happens the moment you're injured, you think, I'm never going to recover. Currently, my mum is recovering from a knee uh, replacement, and uh, we went to see her in hospital, and she really needed this knee replacement. And we were just try, you try, people trying to give you, saying, Mum, you'll be much better, you know, you'll feel much more sprightly, and I'm trying to be funny, you know, Mum, you know, strictly come dancing, and all of that kind of stuff. Because the person who's hurting incredibly helps. But as she's up, as we phoned her and visited her over the weeks since, she starts to say, I know this is getting better. Because sometimes folks just takes time. This year, Amanda and I saw God do an amazing work of healing, really, in our family. One of my uncles died, and they were found, we, we just really felt that we hadn't had contact with our family for such a long time, my family. We really felt, we said to God, look, if you will build a bridge, we promise we'll cross it. Don't know what will be the other side. If they know we've looked at one, I know they have. We've all been affected by us, somebody else's sin. We just said to God, for years, well, you build a bridge, we'll cross it. And God built a bridge. Through one of them, an uncle of mine who's a Christian leader, godly man, went to be with the Lord, but would have been wanted to be one of the people that helped in reconciliation. And at that funeral, I spoke to members of my family I hadn't seen or spoken to for 11 years. And it's still a little tender. And since then, I visited, took the opportunity to visit an aunt. We haven't sat and talked. And it's still a little tender. But our wounds are healing. Because often we're collateral damage from somebody else's mistakes. I just sense in the spirit there are people, you, what you're living in is the collateral damage of somebody else's actions. And you know you're not to blame, but why is it caused devastation? I want to say to the psalmist tells how good it is to sing grace to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise Him. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Our wounds can be healed by His wounds. We are I'm asking two gents at the back to come and help us with that song. Just to say, I travel from church to church, and every church I go to, singing this song at the moment. We first heard our son sang in Australia, put song in the reading. We first heard the song, What a Beautiful Name It Is. And the reason I want the guys in that are, if you keep my mind, I'd like to sing along with them. I know Tom Jones, but I'll keep up. 
reason I want to sing this song is just a little verse. For some of you who've been around Eden for many years, you'll know that it was a great little phrase that people quote. It's from the Bible that says, His name is like point or you know today that the name of Jesus is sufficient for your reading. I believe hell shakes with fear at the name of Jesus. I believe your attackers run the cover at the name of Jesus. I believe your soul, 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 soul. surface now and again. Some are very, very recent and very, very deep. And what is seen a secret to many of us in the room and what nobody else can truly know or understand, you know only too well. Jesus came that we might be healed. We pray Holy Spirit, you would be good things. You as we breathe his name, you would breathe his name like beautiful ornaments all over the storms of our souls. Like refreshing ointment that takes away the irritation, soothes, moisturizes the wound, allows it to begin to heal. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.